Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. And welcome to one of my favorite shows of the year, The Deadline Show, the intense, crazy, mind blowing deadline show, which comes off a very, I'd say, weird deadline. It was a deadline that looked like it was going to be one of the worst ever. And then our collective baseball brains were blown away after the buzzer sounded. Uh, Obviously, the Cubs made some moves. Some teams around them made some moves. Some didn't. We're going to get into that all, discuss what's been going on around baseball. So buckle up and get ready. It's going to be a bumpy, weird ride. Adam, how you doing? Howdy ho. I'm doing well. Good, good. Okay, so... Let's just get right into with a question. We'll start this with a question. What was your biggest surprise of this deadline? Not just the Cubs, just across the board, all of baseball. Biggest surprise. Go. Uh, it's It's got to be the fact that the, the two biggest moves, the two biggest moves that were made first uh, were premier pitchers going to teams that are out of the race. Bauer to the Reds and... Uh, um, Marcus Stroman to the Mets. I mean, those two moves are head scratchers to me. I can't disagree with you there. When Stroman meant to the, went to the Mets, I thought, okay, if he's going to the Mets, maybe what they're trying to do is sell Syndergaard and they're going to try to extend Stroman and he's going to be like their future. So it was kind of a move made for that. But they're keeping Syndergaard. I think the Mets truly believe they have a shot. And frankly, I don't think they have much of a shot. Yeah, well, the Mets truly believed they had a shot this year, too. And look where they're at. But so, I mean, that's it's really weird. It's really weird because we usually don't see that. I mean, the two two of the biggest names available for starting pitching and they went to teams that are well out of the race already. That's it's so bizarre to me. We just don't see that. Very no. often. It's it's kind of a weird thing. I'm not really sure what it is exactly that the Reds are doing. I mean, I guess I, I, I could see from the Mets standpoint how they, they're they going for it next year because, you know, I'll give them credit. That, that rotation on paper should be nasty. Uh, but the Reds, I'm not sure what they're thinking. I just wonder if they're going to try to extend Trevor Bauer because if you extend Trevor Bauer – You'll have Bauer, Luis Castillo on top of that rotation. I mean, that would be a pretty good rotation That'd too, right, right there. Yeah, it's. I mean, is Bauer really going to want to extend with the Reds? I don't know. I'm, and I don't I know. think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's arbitration eligible. Correct. After this season. Correct. And then he's a free agent after 2020. So yep. yeah, it's. I don't know. It's the Reds must think they're close or something. I don't know. What I'm trying to think of is okay, you have Trevor Bauer, you got rid of Yasiel Puig. And by the way, I think the Indians came out great with this trade in terms of offense because offense is really what they've been missing. I just wonder if they have enough pitching now. Yeah. They're going to have to get Corey Kluber back. Well, see, that's. That's the thing is I I, I kind of thought it was a weird deal for the Indians too. I mean I I can understand it from the standpoint of you know Bowers going into arbitration after this year, and then he's going to be a free agent, and you don't 
necessarily believe he's going to re-sign with you, so you might as well get something for him if you can. The Indians don't have massively deep pockets. They're not a big market team. No. But they've been gaining some steam, and they're, they're, they've been closing the gap with the Twins, yeah. And they're still they're still very much in the thick of it. So it's it's kind of weird to me that they would trade a a reliable starter at this point in the season. And and I know that Trevor Bauer recently has been pretty inconsistent. And on top of that, he's been a head case. Uh, I wonder if that had anything to do with it. I, I, mean, I wonder I too. Just wonder. I mean, people have said you know, his name has been floated out there uh, before that all but went. But that's down. when they were looking to sell. That's the thing. Yeah, when his name was first floated out there. That's when we thought they were going to be sellers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to wonder if that if that fiasco, you know, kind of nudged them into into moving him. They they might have already been considering moving him, and then he went and pulled that stunt. And then maybe the organization is like, okay, that's the final straw. We we got to unload this guy. Uh, maybe that's the situation. Uh, I do find it uh, pretty funny and fitting that Yasiel Puig's last day with the team, he got in a fight. <laughs> yeah, isn't that wild? And that That's... wasn't just some, like, small no. bench clear. That was a big he, brawl. That was Amir Garrett, right? He launched himself into that yeah. team. That was, like, 1v20. That that's in, that dude's insane. My no. God. But that was awesome, though. I thought it was totally awesome. I laughed the whole time. I watched that over and over and over again. Baseball fights are baseball fights are just the best. What's funny is you look at that fight and you look at the fight they had earlier between the Pirates and the Reds, and you could take so many screen caps of those fights and they look like some medieval or Renaissance epic oil painting yeah. that you'd see hanging <laughs> in the Louvre or the Art Institute. Yeah. So I think it's kind of funny how people have been creative with that. Pretty great. Pretty great. Baseball fights are awesome. I will say, I, I'll clarify that headhunting is bad and nobody should do that. And there probably should be a more severe punishment from the league for obviously throwing in somebody's head. But otherwise, baseball fights, thumbs up. Love them. Well, they certainly got the crowd into it last night and they certainly got everyone into it last night. It's just funny how that happened like right when the trade was announced. That like Puig didn't know he was being traded as he was trading punches with the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's just, you're on this one battlefield and you're about to be moved to another and you don't even know it yet. It's going to be funny if he has to serve a suspension his first (laughs) with his new team. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't that be something when you you know what you think of it from this perspective, it's the Reds and the Pirates. This is like the highlight of the season for the fans. I mean, there there's, they're not going to be in contention to make the postseason at all. So this this is like the high point. This is the most exciting thing for them that could happen. Yeah, because you look at the Reds and the Pirates, you know, they also saw Corey Dickerson uh, traded away to Philly. You saw Scooter Jeanette being dealt to the Pirates. You saw Tanner Roark yeah. going to Oakland. So they've been making moves. It, the Reds have sold and yet bought Trevor Bauer. But I think in the end, you'd call them sellers. And obviously the pirates were definitely yeah. sellers. They didn't get rid of their closer. Like it was rumored, but you know, they, they still were sellers. So yeah, yeah absolutely. They, that's pretty, pretty far, exciting in a time. It's, yeah. That's going to end up being their most memorable uh, moment of the year. Um, unless they do it again before the season's up. It could happen. 
there's some bad blood there. I mean, Derek Bell, the manager who was ejected, came storming out of the dugout to try to fight Clint Hurdle. Yeah. I mean, really. That's how bad, that's how <sighs> intense it was. Yeah. Man, I, I watched the their postgame pressers, both of them, Bell and Hurdle. They're they're both boring dudes. Man, I thought I was gonna fall asleep listening to those guys talk. They certainly weren't exchanging any love letters, though. That's for sure. I thought Bell was gonna start crying too. Did you did you watch any of his post game press? I just heard some of the audio on the radio today. I didn't actually see it, so I have to check yeah. it out for myself. It's weird. I, I mean, you. I'm I'm totally a hundred percent against head hunting too, like anyone else. But uh, yeah, Bell sounded like he was about ready to start crying. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I'd have to take a look at that because uh, I just I just heard the audio. I mean, I saw the fight on video, just the post game stuff. I just heard the audio. I'll have to check that out. Uh, also noted that the Pirates gave Jordan Lyles to the Brewers, so you saw an in division trade right there, even though it wasn't very big. Jordan Lyles has struggled a lot, uh, but that's really the only notable deal within division that we saw. Other trades around baseball, I think the biggest surprise for me, I maybe it's not as much a surprise, but I still think it was not the right move. I'm sorry. The, the, if the Giants really think they have a shot this year, I, I think they're nuts. I really do. And maybe they'll somehow prove me wrong, but Bumgarner stays. Uh, Will Smith stays. They did trade away to the Brewers, Drew Pomeranz, which on Twitter, they made it sound like, oh, there's a big deal between Milwaukee that, and Giants. Oh. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Because at first they... At first, they thought they were getting Madison Bumgarner, and, and then, then they it, thought they were it, getting Will yeah, Smith. Yeah, it came out that they weren't it, that Madison Bumgarner wasn't involved in that. So Brewers fans are like, "Oh, okay, we're getting Will Smith. Sweet." Nope, Drew Pomeranz <laughs> <laughs> for one of their top prospects too. That, yeah, that guy was one of their better prospects. So I don't think it's I don't think it's unrealistic to say the Brewers kind of got fleeced a little bit. I don't. I don't know what they were thinking there. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: when they moved Pomeranz into the bullpen, he he started pitching better. But it's a really small sample size. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, uh, the way I see it is, Drew Pomeranz could be a solid move in the end. Uh, Jordan Lyles, I don't think he's going to be anything special. He may at least give some anchor to the rotation. But the Brewers didn't make any holy crap moves. They didn't get a Cy Young winner. They didn't get an all-star reliever. They didn't get a slugging bat. I mean, they traded away Jesus Aguilar, who's really struggled this year. But, I mean, I I just I didn't see the Brewers make any big moves. No. We didn't see that at all. No, I think it's fair to say that the Cubs improved the most of all the teams in the NL Central. I'd agree. The Cardinals didn't do anything. They just traded away no. Jed Jerko. They didn't yeah. do anything. No, but they they I didn't didn't expect them to do much because they typically don't do much. No, I I didn't expect them to do much either. I expected more from the Brewers. Really, I thought Me the too. Brewers. I thought the Brewers were gonna aggressively go for a, a starting pitcher. So did I, because there were rumors saying, well, if they're gonna need something big, they may have to part with either what Yasmani Grandal or Mike Mustakis. And I thought, and well, do it, yeah, yeah, just do it. 
what they need most of all is pitching for sure. Yeah. I mean, Mike Moustakis and, and Yasmani Grandal, they're, they're good players, but they're not, they're not like totally irreplaceable either. I mean, you, you could find somebody to, to hit about as well as Mike Moustakis. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think if they traded away Yasmani Grandal for a legit starter, I think that probably would have been the smart thing to do. Yeah, uh, I mean, and but... I didn't I didn't necessarily think they were going to get like Bumgarner or Zach Wheeler or a really a huge name, but I I thought it was realistic for them to maybe get somebody like Tanner Roark. Sure, absolutely, Abs- you know, especially an arm that's familiar with the division. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I wanted to talk about uh, before we kind of go to the Cubs was if you ask me who was one of the bigger winners in the National League, at least potentially, maybe not, but on paper, you saw the Nationals improve uh, bullpen arms. They didn't get any world beaters, but you add Hunter Strickland to the mix. That'll bring you some reliable veteran depth. The Braves got Shane Green from the Tigers I th- and Mark I think, Melanson. Yeah, I think I think they won big there. That is, if we don't see that regression that people are thinking about with Shane Green. I mean, you go to a new market, he may improve, he may downward spiral. But you know what? I think the Braves needed to take that chance and go for that. Yeah, but so you know what? Shane, Shane Green's got like a one, uh, like a low ones ERA right now. So even if there's a little regression there, that that still means he could be awesome. Sure. Yeah, he could still be good. I'm not saying he won't. And Mark Melanson, he was very disappointing for the Giants, but it seems like he was pitching a little better and going to a team that's going to be winning, you know, that could do some good for him. So the Braves made that deal after they blew a save. So... I think they yeah. really, really got on the phones during that. One thing I wanted to mention, and this is something that a lot of people are talking about, the Yankees and the Dodgers didn't do anything. They didn't, and and it doesn't it doesn't shock me. I didn't think the Dodgers needed to do a whole lot, uh, but the Yankees one surprises me because they usually are are super aggressive for pitching like almost always. And so, yeah, I thought it was kind of weird that they pretty much did nothing. I know the fans are really ticked off, which doesn't uh, displease me. No, I mean, it's New York. They, they drop a pin in the wrong spot and they're, they're up in arms. It's New York, but I can't really blame them. I, I just feel like those two teams, the Dodgers, I mean, I thought they should have gotten more bullpen help. They picked up yeah. a few guys, nothing of note. I thought, like you said, that the Yankees could have gotten a starter, starting pitcher. Well, they and the, really the didn't. thing with the Yankees is it sounded like they were really unwilling to part with any of their good prospects, which is weird to me because the Yankees are already a pretty young team. Right. So, I mean, it's it's you know, you've already got your future pretty much on the field for the most part. So what do you what are you hanging on to all your prospects for? Wasn't Clint Frazier one of the guys they were talking about uh, that they didn't yeah, want to part with? Maybe, yeah. And has Clint Frazier really showed you all that much so far? Not really. So why not take advantage while exactly. his value is high? Exactly. I get that. And they've they've got a I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, but the uh, one of their better pitching prospects. Uh, they were unwilling to part with him too. But I mean, you're you're in a championship window right now. So if 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 you can win the World Series now, 
what what are you holding on to a guy who who's not going to be coming until down the road for you're uh, the new york yankees for goodness yeah, sake yeah you're not the oakland athletics you're not no. some small market team you're a team that should be trying to win a world series every year until the end of time you're yeah, the yankees it's, it, yeah it's weird to me i'm not used to them wanting to stockpile a whole bunch of prospects when they're already a championship caliber team and a young championship caliber team at that it's kind of weird it's a head scratcher it's a head scratcher for me too. But before we go into the Cubs, let's talk about that shocking blockbuster. And I think this trade it, to me makes them if they weren't already the clear-cut favorite in the American League. And I'm talking about that Astros trade, mm-hmm. getting yeah. Zach Ranky, Aaron Sanchez, and uh there was one other guy, was it uh Joe Bajini? I think that's who it was. Okay. Um but Zach Greinke and Aaron Sanchez were the big names. Zach Greinke being the biggest name, who's having a pretty good year. People will look at Zach Greinke and think, oh, he's washed up, he's old. He's still performing no, he's, pretty he's, well. He's having a good year. And think about how many guys have gone to the Astros and have just... I, look at Justin Verlander. We all Ugh. thought he was way past his prime. Uh, yeah, the regret is real. I... And trust me, I I have no problem admitting it. I did not want Justin Verlander when he was either. initially on the trade block with the Tigers. Didn't want him. I didn't thought he think was he old was worth with too it. Too many miles on his arm. Yeah, and I thought the contract was way too much to to justify what I thought the Cubs would get out of it. Boy, were we wrong! Oh my God. Ma- yeah. Many many regrets. Mistakes were made. Dude, I mean, I'm I can't right I can't blame you. the Cubs. Nobody nobody could have foreseen that but uh but yeah going back to Zach Grinky Grinky's Grinky's having a really solid year really mm-hmm. solid year he's sub three ERA right now yeah doing very well and the, the Diamondbacks they get Seth Beer Corbin Martin and JB Bukowskis that yeah. is prospects three four and five whoo yeah, yeah, that's a good haul. I liked what Blaze said on Twitter last night that Beer should have went to the Brewers because just because of his name, he he would have been a le- an instant legend there. That would have been too perfect. Yeah, I I think baseball would have vetoed that because there would have been an overflow of puns that were yeah, just way too been insufferable. Too much. It would have been too much. All the sports pages going nuts about Beer going to the Brewers. But you remember when Beer was going to be eligible for the draft that was the guy everyone was talking about what was it a year ago two years ago when he was taken i mean that was he was a big deal and he still is imagine what the diamondbacks could be in a few years still the diamondbacks i think so you don't think they'll turn into anything no i'm i'm not totally sold on i'm not not saying they're gonna suck forever but i'm i'm not totally sold on it either well they're going to need a few more years to build up in a number of areas but i mean if you're going to make a trade like that you better be happy with getting back those type of prospects wouldn't you say yeah yeah that's fair so the astros you look at them they will have verlander they're loaded oh my god granky is your top three that's pre- that's pretty nasty. That's going to be tough to beat in October. I I pray for the American League. Yeah. I really do. I'm glad I'm glad Grinky went to an American League team. 
I mean, I, I was sort of worried he was going to end up on the Cardinals. Oh, I don't know why. Imagine? I don't know why I was worried about that. The Cardinals never really do anything like that, but it, it, it did concern me. I mean, it would have it would have blown if if Grinky like went back to the Dodgers too. Oh yeah, for sure. Could you imagine that? I mean, Grinky had his best years in L.A. If you yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But I got to be really happy to see the guy have another legit shot at a title again. It's gonna be gonna be really fun watching him in Houston. I think and. Let's kind of transition to the Cubs. You brought up the whole Verlander thing in 2017, and I was right there with you. Uh, But, you know, instead they got Jose Quintana. We didn't see any deals like that. But I think with what the Cubs have, the farm system they have, the payroll they have, the flexibility they have, they did pretty much what you could ask for. Do you agree or disagree? Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I mean, I, I think they they pretty much checked their everything off the list. And I mean, it's it's not perfect, but nobody expected it to be perfect. That that was never really in the cards. Uh, we all wanted Castellanos, and they got him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tony Kemp, you know, his numbers don't jump off the page or anything. But having a utility guy who can who can swing. All right, I I think that's a good move too. I mean, yeah. it, I know it's I know it's not super exciting to a lot of people, but I think, I think he's going to fit in nicely for the role that the Cubs were looking for. Uh, so I, I think that's a good move. I, I really, I think they did pretty well. O- overall, I'm satisfied. I, I, they're working with limited resources here. Uh, I mentioned this on social media the other day, and I'll say it again to, you know, you can't be one of the people who clamored every single day for Craig Kimbrell. And now you're upset with the kind of guys they can get. I mean, you you knew that if you put a bunch of money into Craig Kimbrell, that was going to limit you in other areas. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it too here. So I think given the circumstances, they did just fine. And especially the fact that you weren't going to get Whit Merrifield. It was never going to no. happen. I mean, nobody no. got Whit Merrifield. No. The Royals decided to keep Which him I still and think pretty much stupid. everybody. Yeah. I agree. They're nowhere near contending, and yet they they kept all those guys. They kept Ian Kennedy. They kept Whit Merrifield. They kept Jorge Soler. No, they they didn't really do anything either, but that's that's a whole other story. I I think the Royals were willing to part with Whit Merrifield. I think they were just acting flaky so that they could get an absolutely massive haul for him. I think they they were just kind of playing it cool like that to see if they could get somebody to drastically overspend for him and nobody bit. No, I, I think the other, the other issue to for this guy will have control for him over a number of years, but he is already 30. So, you know, I, I think there were a lot of teams that would have loved, including the Cubs. There are so many teams out there that would have loved what Merrifield, but for a King's ransom at that age, eh, people might be a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I just wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been on board with it i I mean it's it sounds like the cubs didn't have enough for what the royals were were wanting for him anyway i mean uh i think somebody on mlb network floated the idea of giving away like ian happ and albert almora and somebody else for whit merrifield and i probably would have done that but i think it was mark derosa 
who said that. Oh yeah, former Cubs. So, but I, to be honest, that probably was never. I think that was just him speculating, giving a scenario. I don't think that was ever discussed. Listen, if it was Alzolay, Almora, and Hap for with Merrifield, I think that would have been a steal for the Cubs. I would have done that. That wasn't oh, going to yeah. happen. It wasn't going to happen. No, it wouldn't have been that easy. No, it, it's that it would have it would have felt like highway robbery because at this point you just don't feel like Ian Happ or Albert Almora are a huge part of the Cubs' future. I mean, no. they're they're totally replaceable at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the one you'd probably miss the most is Albert Alzolay. But yeah. as much as I like him, he's kind of risky too because he's had some injury issues throughout his professional career yeah none of those guys a sure bet at all i i thought that that proposal was pretty lopsided in favor of the cubs absolutely no doubt but again it was clearly not going to happen yeah yeah but yeah you got nick castellanos and that happened after the buzzer and people thought oh god all we got was tony kemp and then all of a sudden Oh, he's out of the lineup. Oh, boom. He's coming out. And then next thing you knew, Ken Rosenthal, Castellanos to the Cubs. It, to me, it seemed pretty clear that Castellanos was going to be a Cub. The other team that was interested in them, the Rays, you didn't really hear that much from them. They made the deal for Jesus Aguilar. The Rays aren't going to make any blockbusters right now, just, you know, being the Rays. So it just it felt inevitable that it was going to be Nick Castellanos coming here. And you got him for a good price. Alex Lang was the first round pick for the Cubs, what, two years ago? A year mm-hmm. ago, two years ago. Yeah. And uh, the other guy, uh, Paul Richin, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I think you got a good deal in getting a rental bat that's going to be a bit more on the platoon side. So let me ask you this. and You mentioned that he is a rental. Would you attempt to extend him? Oh, I mean, I mean, that's jumping the gun a little bit. We don't know what he's going to do with the Cubs, right. but let's let's just say uh, he has a, a a really good second half with the team here. Do you offer him an extension at the end of the year? If he has like a J.D. Martinez like jump well, I up wouldn't, with the Cubs, I wouldn't expect that necessarily, but but if he... I'm not, if, like it's like it, he, not exactly like it. Let's let's say he he just repeats his first half. Yeah, I. So he hits thing. about he hits about two seventy two eighty finishes with maybe twenty ish home runs. I just I feel like they would need to have a plan going forward with a number of guys in the outfield. This includes Schwarber. This includes Elmore. This includes Tap. And I also guess you got to say, okay, we can try. It's going to have to be pretty club friendly because as good of a hitter as he can be and as productive as he can be, you got to remember, he's a very big liability in the field. So I think if you could get him on a nice club friendly deal, it's very tempting. Um, But the way I see it right now, the way I picture the scenario playing out it just screams rental to me i think you're probably right i mean anything could happen but you're gonna have a lot of money coming off the books next year you're gonna be looking in a number of areas 
including extending some more important players, uh, a la Bryant and Javi. You may go to the trade market to pick up a guy. You may go to the free agent market and pick up an arm. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of things to consider here. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the answer I'm sticking with. He's, he's just going to be a rental. I think so, too. I think it's it's pretty crowded in the outfield, and it's it, it brings up a lot more questions than answers. Uh, I agree. Extending him. For uh, sure. But it'll be interesting to see what they do about the outfield after this year. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of shuffling, I think. Here's a move that surprised me today. It surprised me, but it didn't surprise me. Let's just say I wasn't really expecting it. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr.'s time as a Cub is over. He was sent down after coming back from injury and really struggling in one outing. He was traded to San Diego uh, for another pitcher. To me, I just think what's best for CJ is for him to go to a new environment. A change of scenery, I think, can do him good. The way things have gone with the Cubs this year, with the demotions, the injuries, uh, the inconsistent play, it just seemed like his time as a Cub was done. Kind of like Mike Montgomery. It just, to me, it seemed like his time was coming to an end. Yeah, I think it is probably what's best for him. More importantly, I think it's what's best for the Cubs. Uh, It was, you know, I, I just don't know that it was worth the fight anymore. Uh, Ed's had some truly terrific moments with the Chicago Cubs. He mm-hmm. did, and and he had some stretches where he was great. And remember, it really it wasn't all that long ago that his stuff was so good and he was pitching so well that we were actually talking about him being the closer of the future. Yes, for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. here we are, and this season he couldn't even hold a roster spot, and he's just too wild. Uh, this is this is best for both parties, I think. Uh, it sort of felt inevitable to me. I mean, it, yeah. it, it really this felt like it was looming, and I I think it's it, it had to be done. It, it just it was becoming clear that that Edwards was more than the Cubs could handle. And the guy you got in return, you look at the numbers and you say, okay, that's not very good. But I'd say, hey. Be lucky you got another major league body in return at this point. And we've seen the Cubs been able to turn guys into something useful. So maybe that happens here. And you know what? If it doesn't, it doesn't. What I don't want to hear are the fans that just loved to rag on Edwards. Him finding his way in San Diego. Let's say he finds his way in San Diego and pitches really well. I don't want to hear those. I, I hope he does too. I don't want to hear those same people saying, oh, Theo's an idiot. They never should have traded him away. Yeah, we all knew you were dancing around in celebration when he was traded away. I don't want to hear that. Oh, you know I don't it would happen. Hear. You know it would happen. Oh, I there's, know it there, would. There's all the, tons of people out there, hindsight 2020, Captain Obvious people, you know. It, that's just, there that's are just, some that's players. just the way it goes. That's there the are way some players that just won't turn into anything useful until they go somewhere else. That's just how it is sometimes. Yeah. It happens when the Cubs get rid of guys. It happens when the Cubs get guys. I mean, we saw Cole Hamels really struggle last year. He came to the Cubs. Look at what he became. We saw guys who looked like they were washed up and done, like Clayton Richard or in 2015 
or Fernando Rodney in 2015. They ended up being useful pieces. It's just what happens sometimes. Look at some of the guys that were just claimed off waivers because they were either DFA'd or they were trying to trade them away for nothing, and they turned into something in a different environment. It just sometimes that's that's what happens. It happens almost every year. Yeah, absolutely. So good luck to CJ in San Diego. I truly hope he does well. I think that maybe pitching in a more pitcher-friendly ballpark and doing some good, personally. Yeah, and I think it'll be less pressure for him, too, to pitch on a team that's more up-and-coming than sure. as opposed to being on a team that is expected to win right now. Yeah, I agree. So I, I think that'll help to relieve a little pressure off him, too. Exactly. I agree. Uh, before we get into other moves, speaking of bullpen, we'll just keep the topic there. Strope was put to the IL. Underwood was called up. Pedro Strope. It's been pretty ugly lately, to say the least. It really has. I don't think he's ever been 100% this year because he's had the injuries. He's getting older. So I'm not surprised by that move. Do you think he's getting towards the end here? I think we have to entertain that possibility. If he was 28, 29, I'd say no, but he's like 34 right now. He's, he's 34. Be 35. Yeah. 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 I, I hate to say it too, but it's, it has crossed my mind. And you know what? If it is the end, he gave us one hell of a run. And I think it's absolutely disgusting that fans won't acknowledge that. It drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, look at his look at his baseball reference page. He he's had an absolutely brilliant career in Chicago. Oh, he was never trustworthy to begin with. Get out of here with that garbage. Seriously. Two two eighty three ERA over seven years with the team. I don't know if I brought this up on last week's show, but I'm gonna bring it up again. Name another Cubs reliever, not named Lee Smith that did something similar to that over four or five years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 probably because Pedro Strope, yeah, he's had a tendency to be kind of streaky. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't really mix his good and bad moments in. Uh, to, it's, it's more like he's, he's either on a roll or he has, you know, a few bad outings in a row, and that frustrates people, and I think the hat probably <laughs> riles some people up, too. For whatever but, reason. But, but, but when you look at the overall body of work at the end of each season, he's always one of the best, if not the best, on the team. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. Seven seasons in Chicago, sub-three ERA. Mm-hmm. How could you be displeased with that? It's it's the whole "what have you done for me lately" attitude, and you know it's it's natural to feel like that in sports. But it just he's always gotten crap for being what he is yeah. throughout yeah. his entire tenure. I mean, the way I see it is, I think one of the reasons people see it is because look, he's good most of the time. He's really good most of the time, but when he has a bad outing. Like those meltdowns are as ugly as it gets, but yeah. you know what? He's still much more better than, than bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The good absolutely outweighed the bad by, by a huge margin. But you know, at this point with the way he's been struggling a lot more consistently 
with the velocity drop. And I just, I would think that people would be a bit more sympathetic for him because when you see velocity drops like that and you know he's had hamstring injuries, one more people just say, you know what, he's probably just not physically there. I mean, that's what I would think, but, yeah. you know, I don't know. I've, I've stopped trying to understand that whole thing. So I think right now that's the best move for the Cubs. He he was not helping the ball club. I mean, th- those losses in Milwaukee, that first one, I mean, that was nauseating. That that series in Milwaukee was legit nauseating. And yeah, unfortunately, I mean, they, he was in the middle of it. They, they could have swept Milwaukee. They were. They should have swept yeah, Milwaukee. They should have. And they should have won last night, too. I mean, these road losses are getting ridiculous. Yeah, boy, and last night's was pretty frustrating, too. The most frustrating part of it was that Darvish really pitched a good game. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And the moment I knew that it was going to be just like any other night on the road was when Chris Bryant was on a full count, Hayward at first, nobody out. Curveball way outside. But when Hayward ran, Bryant was swinging to try to protect. But he swung through it, struck out, and what should have been two on, nobody out, ended up being two outs, nobody on. And then they would load the bases and then not score there or the rest of the night. That was the game right there. Yeah. Yeah. And Darvish pitched great, like you said. It's just too bad. Maybe maybe that's the silver lining in this, though. I mean, Darvish really, not even just last night, but his last few starts, he's he's been pretty good. He's looking he's looking really good, uh, even despite taking the L. Uh, you noticed earlier in the season when he had uh, when he'd pitch a game and and not give up a ton of runs, he was still walking some guys, and he was he, he was kind of uh, uh, he had to work pretty hard to get through. He was walking a lot of guys, but you notice recently he's not he's not walking very many guys at all. The command just looks really good. It's night and day. And and Compared so now to the earlier this season, it's yeah, night and day. And and so now instead of seeing a good uh, quality start every once in a while, we're seeing him fire off quality start after quality start because he's actually hitting his spots. You saw six innings, two runs last night. Quality no start, walks. nine strikeouts, no walks. Yeah. You saw. Yeah. Back-to-back, six-inning shutouts at home, a place he's really struggled to start the second half. And in San Francisco, six innings, four runs is not great, but it's not bad either. And really, it was just one bad inning that bit him in the butt. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was really it. And the velocity looks great, too. Fantastic. As good as we've seen it. Yeah. And he was trusting the fastball more and more last night, so he was able to get ahead with it and not to rely on so many breaking balls. And when that happens, well, it's easier to throw strikes. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's one thing that the Cubs should be excited about is that you Darvish, it, it looks like he has his best stuff uh, going into crunch time here. It's very nice to see. And you know what else was a real shame? It just made me sick, was seeing Kyle Hendricks and John Lester in Milwaukee pitch their hearts out and completely get it spoiled as well. Yeah. It disgusted me. It's, it's really frustrating, but you know what? It, win tonight, win tomorrow, first place. Yeah. Or at least win tonight. If you just, so, just win one, this series win yeah. one. And at worst, you're one game back. Yeah. There's but, a big I mean, difference between one and three. 
Yeah, I mean, this series is still very much up for grabs, though. So, you know, it's like we said. I said at the end of last week's show that if the Cubs came out of the, the Brewers-Cardinals series uh, in first place, I'd be happy, and they they could still do that. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed on that, because that would be huge. Back to some of the Cubs transactions. Tony Kemp and Nick Castellanos was what we had today. A few days ago, we got Derek Holland for cash from the Giants. We got David Phelps from the Blue Jays. Uh, I mean, nothing really big to say about those. I think Derek Holland is a loogie, and David Phelps, you just kind of see what you get with him. I think I think Derek Holland could end up being better than people are expecting. I mean, I, I think it's pretty much a given at this point that he's pretty much only going to be coming in to pitch against lefties. I mean, his overall numbers this year are bad, but his numbers against lefties are actually pretty good. And so I, th- I think maybe the Cubs got something there. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, if he's needed to start a game here or there, he could do it because he's been a starter his whole career. He mm-hmm. is like the Jorge De La Rosa of last year, basically. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, he could eat a bunch of innings if if the Cubs find themselves in that situation where they have to. Yeah. You need that kind of pitcher on your staff, especially the way that the bullpen has been worked so much. You look at all the work that Kyle Ryan and Steve Ciszek and Brandon Kinsler have put in. You're going to need that down the stretch. We've seen how bullpens could be really overused and fizzled out by the end of the year. Yeah, it could work out. It, It could be better than some people are anticipating. I was also a little surprised uh, when I saw Derek Holland, maybe I just haven't watched him in a long time. I mean, he was pumping 95 in his first uh, outing as a Cub. I didn't think he still threw that hard. Maybe he throws a little harder now that he's in the bullpen. But I was I was a little surprised, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention to him enough. Uh, his first pitch was like 94, 95 miles an hour. So it's kind of nice to yeah, have. It's not, it's not bad. For a guy who's been around that long, who's not really known to be a big strikeout guy, it's you'll you'll take it. I mean, it's one of those things where you look at the Cubs and you say, well, they don't have a lot of flamethrowers in that bullpen. So it's it's nice to have some guy with velocity. And I know velocity isn't everything, but I think in a bullpen, it's a little more important in this day and age. I would agree. I concur. Man, that's first. Wow, I got I got to take this moment. He concurs with me. I don't I don't know what to say. Uh, I better savor it. I oh I am I am. Okay, so here's another bit of news that we got. Sounds like we're getting Ben Zobris back, and I don't care how good or bad he plays. I just think having him on the team is in addition, no matter what. I think he means that much to the team. It may sound a little meatball, it may sound a little cliche, but we have seen the effects of a leader like him or a David Ross on this team. And I think having him is going to be big for the team, even if he's not an everyday player. Well, at this point, he couldn't be. I mean, I I, I think there's something to that. I, I've... I've said the same thing in the past here that I I think that at this point in his career, you know, his his clubhouse presence might be just as important as what he can produce 
on the field. Uh, that's my concern is, is that I, I'm just not sure how how productive he can be at this point. I mean, there's, I don't there's, think we can expect much right now. My assumption is my assumption would be that he's tried to stay in good shape over these last few months. At least I would hope so. I know he's probably had his hands tied with other more depressing things, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see him being a big piece for them uh, for the remainder of this year. I, I just, I have my doubts, you know, if he, if he was younger then maybe it would be different, but when you're, when you're gaining on 40, I, I just have to wonder if he's going to be able to shake off the rust in time. Maybe he could be kind of like that. I don't know if you remember when Raul Labanez was a Royal in 2014, when they won the, their first pennant, it was either 2014 or 2015. He like didn't play at all, but he was on the roster, but he was credited for being a very good leader on that team. He'll probably play a bit more than Raul Labanez did in that team, but that's kind of what I compare him to. If you remember that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's, I, I'm certainly not ruling it out. Definitely not ruling it out. But So the question is this. When Ben Zobris comes back, whenever that is, you got all these additions. We're, we're talking right now. So when people are mm-hmm. listening, they may have made some roster moves. What do you anticipate happening to make room for Castellanos, Kemp, Ben Zobris when he comes back? I mean, what kind of things do you anticipate? I kind of wonder if that's going to be if that's going to be it for Albert Almora, I, I, I gotta think that they're going to be sending him down. I mean, I mean, who, I would much rather have Castellanos and Zobrist. I think even, even with all the rust, I think I could at least trust Ben Zobrist to take some walks and stuff. Yep. And, and I think that's more valuable than, than what Albert Almora is bringing to the table at this point. So I, yeah, if I was Albert Almora, I'd, I'd be a little worried. And look, if you're going to add Castellanos and left, and you're going to play a bit more Hayward and center, I mean, that takes Albert Almora's spot right there, starting-wise. Yeah, I think he's already, at this point, he's probably reduced to like a late-inning defensive replacement. You're probably right. And Ian Happ, it's kind of the same thing with Ian Happ. The numbers hitting-wise don't look good, but what is he doing? He's taking walks. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be somewhat interesting to see how they put it together. But I think it's fairly predictable. It it seems like the writing may be on the wall for a certain number of guys, uh, because obviously you're going to have to make room for them. But, yeah, you look at what they have. Uh, The other question I have is, do you think Rebel Garcia gets sent down anytime soon? Because the way I look at it right now, Uh... I think the magic is running out. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. He's he he looks lost at the plate right now. And the way I saw Robel Garcia was he was that shock paddle to kind of restart the team. He was going to be here and be a little bit of a, a spark plug to kind of get things going. And that's what he did um, in his debut at the end of the first half. And on and on that seven and two homestand, he was hitting and slugging and that's that's what he was but as soon as pitchers started figuring him out you're like okay we got the spark out of him it was a good story maybe he could make some adjustments but uh, it, it was pretty obvious that at some point pitchers were going to figure out his weaknesses yeah 
Yeah, it was it was cool when he was when he was on fire there at the beginning, but lately it it kind of feels like the end is nigh. I really like the guy and I would love to see him become a bit more of a consistent guy. I just don't think they could bank on that. You know, like you said, Tony Kemp's numbers don't eye pop, but he's been in the league. He's shown he's able to make contact. You're going to slot him in. And then obviously you got Nick Castellanos. I mean, you're obviously going to have to make room. And if you're having doubts about people, then there's really no more room at this point to try things around. You're in a tight division race. It's the deadlines passed. There's no more waiver uh, waivers to be done. So it's you got to make these decisions now. Yeah, I I I I agree. I think based on the roster moves or the the uh, the moves they've made, I don't think there's any roster moves they could make going forward that that would shock any of us. I mean, no, like I, like, I don't like you said, call ups or anything. Yeah, like like you said, it, it seems fairly obvious what happens from here. Uh, maybe not obvious, but I like I said, I I just don't think there's anything they're going to do now that would surprise us. Uh, if Albert Almora gets sent down at some point, I don't think that would shock anybody. If Robel Garcia gets sent down soon, I really don't think that would surprise any of us. I also don't see, maybe this would be the one surprising thing, but right now, personally, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think Nico Horner is going to be a thing until next year. People were expecting him to be a thing this year? Some were. I don't. Th- I don't think that was. I don't think it's no. in the cards now. I, I never realized that was even being discussed. Well, when he was red hot and doing well, you thought, okay, maybe later in the year. But then he had an injury. So, yeah, I think. I think I'm going to close the book on that hope. Yeah, and I don't I, think it was a huge hope for me to begin with. No, I. I don't see it happening either. So, yeah, from here on out, you're, you're going to have to work with what you have. What's your opinion on that whole thing? Like, no trades at all after this, basically. Waiver claims, yeah, forget it. What's your opinion on that? I, I don't know. What do you mean? Clarify. So, if you wanted to make a trade, they had to clear waivers after the deadline. You can't do that anymore. Do you like that or do you not like that? I kind of like it. Do you? Yeah. I kind of like I like the uh I like knowing what we're going in with. My issue is what if somebody gets hurt and you got to make a deal. I and mean, it's kind of out of your control if somebody gets hurt. It happens. It'll be you know it's the, it'll be the same situation for everyone, I guess, but maybe I'm, I'm, you- Maybe I'm could have altered the rules, but not completely get rid of it. I mean, there may be some rules where you can acquire somebody. I have to look at the details, but um, I think the idea was to kind of force teams to really make a decision by this time. But I don't know. It seems like we're kind of seeing the opposite of that. A lot of teams not willing to trade away or trade for. Yeah, it was. it was kind of a weird year. It was. It was. I mean, look at all the moves that were made, the big moves that were made. A majority of them were announced after time expired, which is which made it kind of interesting because when time expired, well, well, they did say the 
Marcianos move was made 40 seconds before the bell rang. 40 seconds. Hey, that's... Cutting it close. <laughs> it counts, though. Yes, it does. It does. Because I think one of the things that people were anticipating was as clock was winding down, well, there's no real news. This is going to be a real stinker. And I was too like, this is a lame trade deadline. And then boom, the Castiano steal, boom, the Astros D back steal, boom, the scooter Jeanette deal and a bunch of others that the CJ Edwards deal, a bunch of things came out. So it was just kind of funny seeing MLB network completely explode after three o'clock. Yeah, uh, mostly I really wanted to see Syndergaard get traded because the internet just would have went absolutely bonkers if that had happened. So I'm a little disappointed he didn't get moved. I was watching his start last night against the White Sox, and boy, oh boy, did he look good. He looked really good. I mean, it looked like a guy who may have been pitching for his team for the last time. But he's going to stay. He's not going anywhere. So they got to keep him for next year now, right? Or do you think they're going to be intent on moving him in the offseason? Maybe it depends on how they they finish. They could get a pretty impressive haul for him, but then you're down an ace, too. Well, I mean, I think the way they're trying to build right now is they're trying to build for the future. I mean, near future, not long future. So that's, that's why the Stroman thing doesn't make much sense to me. If Strowman had more years of control, to me, it would be like, okay, it's what the Pirates tried last year with Chris Archer, but here's the thing. The Pirates can't build a winning team, and Chris Archer is not good anymore, but it, it was that same idea, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think that's maybe what the thought was. Uh, but again, he doesn't have all those years of control, because what, next year he's arbitration eligible, and then I think he's a free agent after that, just like Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Before we end this show... I tweeted something that some other people were thinking, and I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on it because I got a lot of I got a lot of mixed feelings, but a lot of more people agreed with me than I thought. You may know what I'm talking about when I say it, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it again for our listeners. I'm not saying they should have made a deal, but I would have been very tempted to go out to teams and be like, hey, we have Jose Quintana here. We're also trying to look to upgrade our major league roster. What do you think? I would have been totally cool with that. If they if they could get some intriguing uh, MLB ready guys or even some prospects, some 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 promising prospects, I would have been a hundred percent on board with that. Because I, I hate to say it at this point, Jose Quintana is not really doing anything that the Cubs can't replace fairly easily i mean a four and a half era guy is not super hard to find uh and quintana at the very least would have been a big name on the market and i'm sure there were there would have been some interested interested teams uh, and the farm system is so weak that i i would not have been totally opposed to to trying to restock it a little bit if you could because if they if they make it into october quintana's not in your top three in the rotation no and that's the thing i mean you you said it perfectly i i think 
Quintana overall as a Cub has done more good than bad, but just not enough good. We weren't getting that guy we expected from the White Sox. He's a guy that can have value to a team, but to a team like the Cubs, he's he's not awful. He's not hurting them too much, but he is replaceable. There's yeah. a difference between getting rid of bad and a replaceable guy. He's a replaceable guy. You can't replace a guy like John Lester. You can't replace a guy like Javi Baez. You can't replace a guy like Bryant or uh, Kyle Hendricks even. You can replace a guy like Jose Quintana yeah. at this point. Maybe even from within. Sure. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, one, one of the topics of conversation is if they did make the playoffs and they were in the NLDS, how would you structure the rotation? Normally, you would say you Darvish is the guy out, but the way he's throwing, maybe you'd be tempted to go another direction. I mean, obviously, you're going to have Hamels and Lester and Hendricks in there, but that fourth guy is kind of up in the air. Yeah. Uh, if your top three are really good, that gives you a good chance to win a series. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. So, I mean, now that you mention it, I really, come October, I, I really don't even know that Quintana's in the top four. I mean, I think in no particular order, I think your your four guys, if he's back and healthy, is is Darvish, Lester Hendricks, and Hamels. Yeah, so that's why I think uh, that kind of scenario is something that would have been realistic. Realistic, and it, obviously it didn't happen. And I'm I'm fine not trading him, but I think it's something that would have made a lot of sense. I would have been open to it. I would have been. Yeah. So just something I wanted to bring up. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? No, I think we I think we pretty much got it all. I agree. So uh, with that, I'm going to say this is going to wrap up this episode of Climbing the Ivy. I want to thank you all for listening. Just a reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You can check out this podcast on iTunes or Spreaker. Until next week, he's Adam, I'm Alex, have a great night.